the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. As we uh, continue in Hebrews chapter 4, the principal subject is still rest, entering his rest. Not rest as man defines it, but as God defines it. And as I said last week, this is primarily directed, this passage or text that we're going to look at, is primarily directed at those members of this predominantly Jewish fellowship who had not yet placed their hope and trust in Christ, had not yet by faith received his salvation. Therefore, they were unbelieving. And it also has application for the believer, who has set their faith aside to know God according to the flesh. The unbeliever that is restless and carnal, dependent on the same coping mechanisms that the world is. In this Jewish congregation, among those Hebrews who had embraced Christ by faith, there were also those who believed Jesus was the Messiah, but had not put their faith in him. It was simply an intellectual understanding about him. And there were those Hebrews who had no belief in Christ at all. Chapter 4 is pushing those Hebrews, the unbelieving, both the unbelievers and the believers, towards faith. It requires faith to enter into the rest of God. It is not something that just happens. But to enter in requires faith, believing. The urgency of this message is the growing apostasy among the Hebrews. Because of the persecution of the believing Hebrews, who were known as Christ followers, they were falling away. They were rejecting the truth. Some of them were falling back into Judaism and deserting the teachings of Christ. And the preaching of the gospel was falling on deaf ears. Apostasy was plaguing the early church. And because of unbelief and the carnality of believers, it continued to grow. Now, looking back at verse 12 of chapter 3, I will remind you that the author describes what an unbelieving heart is. It's a heart which refuses to trust and rely on the Lord, a heart that turns away from the living God. And he says, beware of turning away. The Greek word there is aphistome, 
a form of apostasy. The word means to stand off. And as I continue to remind you, an apostate is not someone who is ignorant of God. It is someone who's just out of reach in his mind, never fully yielding to the truth. This person adapts his theology to his lifestyle rather than his lifestyle to his theology. He never gets close enough to really embrace change. And in that regard, as I mentioned last week, they will make allowances for various strongholds that will never allow them to know the rest of God. This is certainly the condition of the religious, however, it's also true of carnal Christians and their approach to God. Now, if I was going to describe the condition of the world today in a word, I could describe it as selfish, vain, distracted, amoral, corrupt, and rebellious. But one theologian, I think, described it in a way that I can see, and that is restless. And as I look around me and listen to the conversations of the people around me and people in the media, this description really stands out to me. It is the ambiance that we literally live in, that we're so easily caught up in the momentum of this restlessness. And it brings to mind Romans 12, 2 where Paul writes, And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed, that is, progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove, there's a proving needed, that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Now, the world is restless because they have not entered into his rest by faith. And the Christian becomes restless when they do not live by faith. That is, making it their daily practice, waking up each morning, recognizing his presence, entering into the fullness of their union with Christ. And I told you last week that there are three kinds of rest. The first is the rest of salvation, resting in the work of Christ that he did for us in order for us to be born again. And the second is the rest of sanctification, the rest from the activity of living to the flesh. And then the Sabbath day rest, which we're going to talk about. The Sabbath day rest, the rest of the kingdom of God, which is also referred to as the millennium. Now last week we ended with chapter 4 verse 3 where the author tells that we who believe, and he's obviously addressing believers there, we who believe... And he says, we who believe enter that rest. Well, again, what rest is he talking about? He's talking about the rest of salvation, the rest of peace with God, the rest of our union, the rest of the old passing away and our new birth as new creations. It is the rest in Christ who is now our life. We who choose to enter that rest, enter it by faith. Now, the thing we must remember is there is an action required. We had to receive his salvation by faith. There's another rest that is ours that must be appropriated by faith, and that, of course, is the rest of sanctification. That's something we struggle with on a daily basis. 
It is a moment-by-moment rest that trusts in God, that trusts in his presence, that trusts in his life within us, that trusts in his activity about us, that trusts in his sovereignty, that trusts in his love, that trusts in his acceptance, that trusts in the fact that he's not rejecting us or pushing us aside or setting us in, out of the way for the time being. A trust that allows us to embrace the activity of God in every moment of our lives. The trust that says God God is bringing me to maturation. God is bringing me to maturity. God is bringing me to truth. God is bringing me forward. A trust that says, I know that if I walk according to the Spirit of God within me, I will continue to grow and know Him in His fullness. Not a trust... Not that unbelief that many of us have been cursed with that said, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, if I don't act a certain way, if I don't turn right or turn left, if I don't do this or the other, that God somehow is not going to bring his revelation into my life. There's only one thing that could preclude God's moving in terms of your being able to see it. Now notice how I phrase that? in terms of you being able to see it. That is unbelief. Because the activity of God doesn't stop on your behalf. The work of God within you, the Spirit of God within you, doesn't stop. But you can be ignorant of that work as you put your focus, as I illustrated earlier, upon the things of this world, upon the temporal things, upon your identity in the flesh. You look away from Him. Who is worthy? We who believe enter into the rest of that union. We also enter into the rest of sanctification. Again, it's not a soulish rest. It is a rest that is affirmed through obedience and worship. It is not a rest of the flesh. It is a spiritual rest. God's wrath is against unbelievers who would not cross over and trust him. His wrath is never against his children. The unbelieving can never enter into the rest of God. And again, that was a quote from Psalm 95. We entered into the rest of God when we received his life. We entered into the rest of God when we went into Christ. In Christ, we know the rest of God. True rest is only known by those who believe. And again, God's desire for man is to live in his rest and to trust and to walk in fellowship, which began with him in the garden. As Christians, we, are, we were created to live from his rest. We were chosen in him before the foundations of the world. We were formed, and when God's election met our faith, we entered into the rest of the new birth. Today we're going to cover verses 4 through 13, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 through 13. So would you stand with me as we read? For somewhere in Scripture he has said this about the seventh day. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since a promise remains for some to enter his rest, and those who formerly had the good news preached to them failed to grasp it and did not enter because of their unbelief, evidenced by disobedience. Notice what evidenced unbelief. He again sets a definite day, a new day. 
today, providing another opportunity to enter that rest by saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This mention of rest was not a reference to entering into Canaan. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak about another day of opportunity after that. So that there remains a full and complete Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has once entered into his rest has also rested from the weariness and pain of his human labors, just as God rested from those labors uniquely his own. Let us therefore make every effort to enter the rest of God, to know and experience it for ourselves, so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience as those who died in the wilderness. For the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of the person, and both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart, and not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed and revealed to the eyes of him with whom we have to give an account. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, that seems like a lot to cover, but it is all headed in the same direction, so it flows fairly quickly. He says in verse 4, For somewhere in Scripture... He has said this about the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And fifth verse, and again in this, they shall not enter my rest. Now understand that the author is the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit, therefore, did not have a lapse in memory when he says, it said somewhere, for somewhere it says, but, but, but simply forced these Hebrews, remember these are Jewish people, he forced them to recall the history that they'd been taught from birth. The author is leading the Hebrews to embrace a higher rest. The work that God rested from on the seventh day is the work of creation. Now that doesn't mean that God became tired. I've heard it said by my friends, well, even God took a break. Well, it's not, it's not that he needed a restorative rest. It means that what he had done was complete. It was good. It was done. It was finished. So he ceased from his work in this regard, which is a reference to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And if you read the creation accounts, you may notice that it says, there is a morning and an evening on the sixth day, but not on the seventh, because the seventh day is looked at as continuing forever. The kingdom of God is considered an extension of that rest. Then in verse 5, he quotes Psalm 95 once again. 
This shows that the rest of Canaan was not the fulfillment of the rest. It was more of a shadow, a type. He uses that word again as an indicator that there's another type of rest to come other than the rest of Canaan. Look at verse 6. Therefore, since the promise remains for some to enter his rest, and those who formerly had the good news preached to them, failed to grasp it, and did not enter because of their unbelief evidenced by disobedience, he again sets a definite day, anew, today, providing another opportunity to enter that rest by saying, Through David, after so long a time, as has been said before in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now that promise remains. It is ever before those who have not entered in. The Greek there indicates that the promise is carried on. Though it has been abandoned by so many God holds it in place by his son. So the opportunity to enter into that rest is never left. It is the rest that he holds through Christ. Israel refused to enter into the rest of their God's will concerning him. They refused his faithfulness. They refused his protection by entering into Canaan. They operated in unbelief and they ran the other way. For the Hebrews in this letter, the issue is failing to enter into the rest of the Savior. There was a promise that Israel turned their backs on in the wilderness. For Israel, the rest that would have been theirs was rejected because of unbelief. But the promise was not removed. The promise of the Abrahamic covenant that through the seed of Abraham, the world would be blessed, was still open. And as long as you draw breath on the earth, it is not too late. I referenced Galatians 3.8 last week, which says, The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith proclaimed the good news of the Savior and Abraham in advance with this promise saying, In you shall the nations be blessed. In verse 7, the author references Psalm 95 again, quoting David saying, Today, today is your day of opportunity to enter his rest. Now that's present tense. The Greek says, this very day. And as I have explained, that for the lost, that means as long as you're alive, you can enter into the rest of salvation. Doesn't matter who you are. As long as you're alive and you feel the Spirit's conviction, you can enter into that salvation. For the saved, it means you can know his peace at any time. The way for you is only blocked by unbelief. After so long a time, it refers to the length of time between the time when the Israelites died wandering in the wilderness and when David wrote this psalm, which was about 500 years. The rest that David invites them into is a rest that is available to them 450 years after Canaan was possessed. So it's not the rest of Canaan. If you hear his voice, now do you hear the grace in that? If you hear his voice. Now Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Now to the unsaved, the Spirit of God is calling. He is calling For you to enter into the truth of the rest. 
the thing that we don't understand, and we act almost uh, in an arrogance, it says, okay, well, I'll receive him when I get ready. He doesn't have to save you. He doesn't have to be persistent. He doesn't have to convict you. You can die in hardened separation by your own choice. You will never know the salvation of the Lord if you choose not to know it. But he pursues. He is relentless. He desires to have you enter into the rest of salvation. But he desires also for his own children to enter into the rest. He calls us to enter into his rest. You're a sheep. You're hearing that call right now. Many of you say, Mel, I'm not. Well, then, you know, I do, the, I do my studying at home most of the time. And when I'm studying, I will often turn on praise music. And I turn it up real loud so that I don't hear my wife talking on the phone, you know, mussing about the kitchen, people coming in and out, the neighbor coming over to talk, whatever. I don't hear those things because I want to be focused on what I'm doing. So what I'm doing is I am drowning out anything that might interrupt my train of thought. We do that with the Spirit of God. The thing you've got to remember is that the Spirit of God never stops. He's calling you right now. Now, what impressed me about that is the grace that's in that. I mean, if you're around somebody that ignores you, how hard do you try? <laughs> really? How hard do you try? Somebody that, that literally is just... You know, one of the things I've found is that when I'm, at, when I'm talking to someone and they're on their phone... I'll just stop. They're not paying attention. They would rather see what somebody posted than, than hear what I have to say. Not that what I have to say is all that important. We live that way with the Spirit of God. Now, for a lot of Christians, we believe that it's an either-or thing. I can either stop and have an almost monastic relationship with God, or I have to be focused on the things of this world. That's a lie. It's a lie. We're not to walk with the Savior in the background. We're to walk with the Savior. We're to walk in the fullness of his presence. That means that I don't ignore anything. He's with me. But everything that I encounter, I encounter with reference to his presence. And then he can speak to me. We have the same point of reference. But when I ignore him, when I set him aside in my relation, in my busyness, in my agenda, I don't enter into his rest. Every one of you have been in stressful situations, hard situations. And many of us, because we're raised in the church, will gather people around and say, pray for me, I'm about to go through a stressful situation. And there's almost a sense that God is going to be more present, that he's going to be more powerful, that suddenly he's going to, oh, wait a minute, I've got to go attend to Todd because he's got a group praying for him. No, God is with me. And I want to enter in with that knowledge. I don't want to step up here in this pulpit with the idea that somehow I sure hope God shows up. I want to step up, up here believing that God is going to communicate by his spirit and that the message will be his. Because it, frankly, folks, it's not so much about what I studied or what I put down on paper. It's about what he puts in your heart. 
That's what's important. I'm up here so that we all have the same tra- uh, frame of reference so that the Word of God is, is before you in clarity. But what you learn, what you apprehend, what you receive, you receive from Him. As children of God, He is speaking to us. Do not harden your heart. That is, do not deafen your soul. We know that we have a new heart, right? We have a new heart. That heart can't be hardened. It is flesh. It is tender. It is a heart made for God to receive all all of his inclinations, all of his feelings and thoughts, all that he wants to share with you. That heart is ready to receive. But the soul is a different issue entirely. Now, in, in Scripture, heart can be referencing the soul, or it can be referencing a physical heart, or it can be referencing the heart that God has put within you for him. The new heart, the spirit, is another word for it. That heart will not be hardened. What can be hardened, what can be distracted, is the mind, will, and emotions. He wants you to know his rest. He wants you to live in the confidence of faith. He wants you to know the fullness of his love, to trade fear for joy, despair for hope. The promise is now. So many times we call out to God and we say, look, I'm going through this difficulty. I'm despairing. I'm out of balance in my soul. And we think about it as though God is somehow going to come in and right the ship. But what he has called us to is faith. And faith is not God's beginning the work. Faith is that God is doing the work. It's ongoing. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.